and a one and a two and a skiddly diddly do. <laughs> I had some good numbers last week. I feel like I feel yeah. I mean, season two of this musical is shaping up to. I feel like we're going to have a workshop on Broadway. You know, we're not going to have to take it to New Jersey. But I will say, you know, right now we're recording Rimo and my stepdad heard me singing and he doesn't feel similarly to our fans about my thing. He goes, he goes, you ever think about singing solo? I was like, what do you mean? He goes, solo, I can't hear it. (laughs) Uh, I was like, you know what? I could be upset. But I, I'll just – that was such a good one that – Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's almost like when the dad jokes are executed to that level, you can't hate, I feel like. Yeah. Y- you can't hate your hater when your hater is – Just so unashamedly <laughs> dad in your dad jokes. You have to respect that, I feel like. Yeah. My stepdad – yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I feel like that, that joke is very akin to like, is your refrigerator running? Yeah. Well, you better go catch it. Yeah. But it's better than that. Okay. It's a little better <laughs> – I give him a little... Anyway. A for effort. Yeah, I'll let him know. <laughs> anyway. I woke up to a neighborhood-wide power outage this morning. And I woke up to a snowstorm. It's crazy. It's a, it's wild to me that all it takes in LA to literally lose all the lights is a little bit of wind moving in the air. It's kind of fun, though. Yeah, but I'm like, everybody's terrified of like the big one. And I'm like, guys, all we need is like one wind gust and everything stops. Oh, my God. The there's no breakfast at mcdonald's there's no coffee at starbucks every red light is a stop sign it's it's like the wild west out here today i know i was like feeling kind of stupid because i bought an earthquake preparedness kit like a year and a half ago and haven't used it Mm -hmm. once (laughs) but you know what rupaul says it if you stay ready you ain't got to get ready that is true you know and so like since the earthquake in japan and then wasn't there an earthquake in la Mm -hmm. i think there was actually an earthquake in new york the other day maybe yesterday I heard a rumor, but I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I have my backpack in LA. Right. I'm prepared if I'm somewhere else. <laughs> Love this for me. Yeah. Exactly. Not many updates from me in the way of, by the way, mommy. Yeah, I guess no news is good news. Yeah. Although, speaking of no news, something happened in Miami the other day that no news is talking about, but it happened. Oh, oh my god. I've been seeing this. We're talking eight foot plus tall, like dark skin slash like see-through skinned beings that were like vaguely humanoid in appearance that elicited such a response from the Miami Police Department that later the official story very much like Roswell you know how like day one after the Roswell crash it was like flying saucer lands in Roswell Nevada then the day after that it was the Air Force coming out saying just kidding it's a weather balloon the official response to what happened in Miami is that at a mall there was a group of juveniles fighting each other with sticks and ali the videos that i've seen online look like an entirety of the miami-dade county police department presence there at the mall so i'm like were these sticks lightsabers why are these many police officers showing up to this one place if you're gonna do a cover-up at least make the cover-up like sound extremely violent but then i guess there's like a need for evidence power at the mall where this allegedly happened was reportedly cut no blacked out 
non-marked helicopters were circling for no, hours no. over the area going so far as i saw a video on tiktok and granted like i don't know this person and i don't know his father but if the person is to be believed his dad is one of the candidates running for sheriff of miami-dade county he facetimed his dad on a tiktok to say hey have you heard anything that's happened about these aliens that i've been seeing on the internet here in miami and his dad's literal response is i can't talk about that <gasps> And when the son is like, but do you know more and you just can't tell me? And the the dad is like, how many ways do you want me to slice this pie? I can't talk about it. Okay, I'm trying to pull up the video right now. The guy's like, uh, did somebody tell you not to talk about it? And his dad's response is, I'm not allowed to talk about it. Okay, wait, have you seen that? feels like a big if true if I've ever seen one. Oh, totally. Okay, someone tweeted, (laughs) well, someone named on Twitter... Lewis KC. <laughs> not Lewis. Uh, that's funny. And their handle's not Lewis CK. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but when this many cops show up to shut down a, Vi- a Miami mall and not one single person took a video from inside or driving by, something is off. Rumors are there were eight to ten foot shadow aliens. Also, yes. Epstein didn't kill himself. Ah, <laughs> that's funny. I mean, true. I think, anyway. Yeah, 100%. Speaking to there being no photos or videos from inside, uh, I've seen screenshots from the dying corpse of Twitter and from people who were reportedly inside at the time. When they tried to take photos or videos of the beings, their anything with electricity didn't work. They were not able to take photos of them. Whoa, what the fuck? Going so far as to say... Any of the people who were inside were being let out in a controlled manner by the Miami-Dade Police Department, reportedly and allegedly. The police were going through people's devices and phones to see if they had any images before they would let them leave the building. Why Miami? Well, I don't have an answer as to why Miami, but there are also people that say it looked as if because there were also there are also videos of strange lights flying around in the sky in ways where it's like mm, it's probably not a helicopter it could be a drone but like doesn't seem to be like a private aircraft or like a helicopter or something so like what is this and from people on the ground on twitter tiktok threads wherever granted they could just be you know click farming but if they're to be believed they said it looked as if these lights came out of what appeared to be a portal that opened in the sky above miami no and then you can get into kind of like conspiracy theory tinfoil hat land where i saw a video this morning of a of a woman saying that she took the coordinates it's of Miami, like roughly Miami, you know, over about where she saw this quote unquote portal opening in the sky and she reversed the order. She wasn't really clear on, you know, if she went like completely backwards to forwards, but all she said was I reversed the order of the coordinates and it took her on the map to the center of the continent called Antarctica, which if you know anything about Antarctica and what people believe about aliens and potential bases there, there's a non-zero group of people who believe that there is an alien base underneath the ice on antarctica so i mean you know not now. i don't know you know our unified know. theory <laughs> mm-hmm. interesting i mean but then you believe? know then you also have tom DeLong, who is one of the founders of to the stars academy who's like one of its express purposes is the search for extraterrestrial intelligence going on howard stern's radio show saying he thinks it's like ultimately a bad direction that we're heading in like he thinks tom DeLong thinks it's good that aliens and et and non-human intelligence are you know part of the the group sort of like collective consciousness that it is but he goes so far as 
tries to say shows like Ancient Aliens, things like it that sort of posit, you know, any any marvel of the ancient world, the pyramids, the Library of Alexandria, like all these things saying, you know, there's no way humans could have built this. It had to have been aliens. Aliens had to have been the ones created us. He's like, it's a worst case scenario when you've got humanity basically like de facto worshipping aliens because if Tom DeLong is to be believed from information that he knows working on To the Stars Academy, which, by the way, is made up of former NASA, former military, former Department of Energy, intelligence, you know, people that are making up the board of this nonprofit, from information that he allegedly knows, he says they're not things to be worshipped at all, rather to be feared because he calls them interesting Interestingly, the bugs. Because that's, and it's also not a term that he says he came up with on his own. They are referred to by people who know about them as the bugs because they operate sort of like a beehive. Instead of having singular consciousness inhabiting each body, they have sort of like a Borg hive mind of sorts. So Tom DeLonge is seeing all of this happening and he's like, oh no, we're verging into like really dangerous territory here. That definitely makes sense. Just thinking if they are a dimension higher, that they would be fully plugged into their own collective conscious, you know? Yeah, fully. Whereas, like, we can only sometimes, like, kind of unintentionally plug into the collective conscious. It's also interesting, too, because there's a group of people, you know, again, non-zero, who believe that the Greys, for example, which if you know anything about Roswell, the Greys are the sort of, you know, between three and four foot tall, grayish skinned, humanoid-like aliens that were reportedly the ones who crashed in Roswell. There's theories that they might not even actually be like independently conscious beings. Like they could be non-human intelligence that's still like organic, but like is somehow powered by AI, which is also like, hello, that plays right into this like groupthink hive mind kind of theory. I found a really fun little uh, like infographic of sort. I posted already okay. one that was like different, like which spaceship are you on our Instagram? But I did find uh-huh. one of all the different supposed alleged alien species. Obviously the greys are on there. Obviously also the, um, the mantis. Uh aliens so i'm gonna post that this week sick and you guys can take a look it's really interesting see i like i like a mantis the insect but like if i'm seeing something that's like anywhere near my size that's like manted in appearance oh baby like it's a wrap for me well some of the tweets about the miami alien are that like it was a shadow mantis oh i don't know i don't know listen there's gonna be someone with something to say from every which direction opinion it's true yep and i try not to cling too tightly to my own (laughs) you know yeah or even any one that i read because it's almost like as soon as i see one you really can't even put too much stock in it because at the end of the day they are just reported firsthand accounts like i can't confirm that any of these people were there so i just have to like go oh whoa that's big if true crazy bro you know whatever we're always looking for confirmation of our own beliefs and that's what i try Mm -hmm. to remember when i'm like absorbing anything but at the same time it's like feels good to it feels good to be validated whether or not that validate i mean i don't know we live in such a fucking post-truth society that like i don't actually feel like anything can be verified but i know some things are definitely on the ground yeah like some things are definite bullshit and then some things i don't know i'm just like okay like well who's in your pocket Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know 
vary that. Where's your money coming from? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, I've also been trying to get back on. You know, we were. I was very spiritual season one. Uh huh. And I feel like season two, Allie, is a little more realist and like a little Verging more. Verging on skeptic. Yeah. And I fucking uh-huh. hate it. I'm like, I want to get oh, back to. Really? I want to get back to like whether or not she slash I slash we mm-hmm. were me and old Allie. You know what I mean? Whether or not we, the Allies, were delusional. To be that spiritual? Yeah. Well, it was just like. Like, you know, I was doing a lot of Joe Dispenza meditating and I did see a lot of results and then you just get lazy. I mean, it's it's honestly, it's you break a sweat meditating Joe Dispenza style. Like you got to yes. suck your it's fucking work. belly button into your spine and like pump all this energy up to your head and like you sweat. And anyways, I started trying to do it in this new year, like trying to get back into meditation, but specifically that kind of meditation, except I've been guiding my own out loud because like uh-huh. I've done it enough times that I like know what Joe Dispenza says and I I feel like I pay better attention if it's me. Yeah. Maybe that's do you think Is it harder for you to get back into since you've been away from it? Or do you think it's no. just like maybe having a like rebuilding muscle mass, like, a, you know, for like bodybuilders who stop lifting for a while? Rebuilding muscle mass. They always say in, you know, like 12 step fellowships that like in order to be spiritually fit, one must work out their spirituality. Mm-hmm. And. Ooh, we're anti spiritual sedentary we are yeah because like we want to be active yes exactly we're anti-spiritual sedentary okay because i was like are you anti-spiritual but i didn't know where the hyphen was between two and three yeah i i I very i want to i I never felt better than when Mm -hmm. i was working out my spiritual muscles every day and i still do believe that you know there are more than five senses and we work out our eyesight all day fucking long looking on instagram whatever whatever like reading seeing judging based on what we see we work out our our, site converts to dollars yeah we were for corporations period tell me about it we work out our ears obviously you're listening to a podcast right now like we know how to listen we know how to tune in we know how to you know that whole concept of um cocktail party effect mm-hmm. where it's like you can you can literally like tune into different frequencies in the room of like conversations that are happening six feet away conversations that are happening yep. 12 feet away you know we know literally how to flex and refine different muscles and different antennae in order to like sense refined frequencies with with Mm -hmm. sight and vision and taste and maybe smell i don't know we don't have the strongest smell obviously like we're not like dogs who have but anyways i believe that the spiritual is also a sense faculty and if you exercise it by doing you know meditation lucid dreaming meditation um one of my favorites breath work um you know it just you will become you'll be able to notice things that you wouldn't otherwise notice and you'll also be able to like control your reality a little more because otherwise you're just defaulting to whatever sort of mental state you wake up with which like my god that's a that's a way to do it but a way way there are others (laughs) (laughs) exactly so i'm just trying to like remind myself i have a choice i can wake up and i can make a choice to like consciously direct my mind Mm -hmm. and and it works for me but it's still it can be hard like i got 
So I got a little triggered this morning and I was like, no, 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 I'm still going to meditate. And I feel good now. Oh, good. Anyways, I could talk on and on about this, but I won't. We haven't really ever talked about it on the show before. And I'm curious if you know about, I mean, it what, was the difference like, between my breast size. <laughs> no. <laughs> my love Sisters, not twins. True. How much you may or may not know about this thing that is in orbit around Earth called the, the moon. Black Knight Satellite. Oh, no. no you never mentioned it to okay, me. Okay, so I'm not going to go super in detail here because I'm, I'm breaking exclusive news. This is our next episode for Patreon subscribers. Uh, news to me. <laughs> You're the first to know, baby. <laughs> and now you listening, baby. You know, too. Uh, I'm okay, baby. I'm okay, baby. But we're going to be talking about the Black Knight satellite, which I have this sort of like sense memory of from like growing up it, throughout the 90s and like the early 2000s, where it was sort of like there would be like History Channel shows about it, Discovery shows about it. And oh, it's this interesting. Thing it's this thing that's in orbit that nobody really knows where it came from. And some people have done observations on it specifically, trying to receive data from it. And the rabbit trails that it has led them down makes me almost believe that, like, we're closer today ever than humanity has ever been to disclosure and making contact with something that is definitely intelligent but is not human. And that's all I'm going to say about that. So if you want to hear the full episode, the Black Knight Satellite. Head to our Patreon, subscribe there, and you will be the first and only people to be able to hear that content. Period. Period. And if you subscribe as one of our Trisolarian overlords, you receive a free membership pin that will never be available for sale that's just for you. It's so cute. Us. It's so cute. It's like not just exclusive, it's also adorable. So that's all the breaking news I have. And also an update for our friends over on Patreon. Now, back to the general feed. Mm -hmm. Today's a big episode and not big in terms of length. It might actually be kind of bite-sized, mm -hmm. but it's big because... The implications are there. We are approaching today, and not approaching, we will be arriving at, by the end of this episode, the end of part one of the dark forest. I personally can't believe it. I forgot there were even parts because there is no chapters. <laughs> Buckle your seatbelts, return your seats to their upright position, and stow your tray tables. We are arriving at part two imminently. You're listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast reviewing our way through the three-body problem and discussing its real-life parallels. I'm Allie. And from a rainy Los Angeles, I'm Brett. And this week, Tyler takes a clandestine meeting in a cave. General Fitzroy and the boys at NASA get a rude awakening from the Hubble 2 Space Telescope. And we finish part one of The Dark Forest. Stay tuned. Energy units reporting. All systems go. Cutting units reporting. All systems go. Amplifier unit reporting. All systems go. Interference monitor unit reporting. With an acceptable range. Begin transmission. Okay, 
Allie. Starting our last little jaunt through part one of The Dark Forest by Cixin Liu. Today we're starting with Wallfacer Tyler. And some of this might seem a little left field because you might be like, well, wait, hang on. How is this happening? Didn't we talk about just don't worry about it. We as the reader are not privy to how Tyler arrived in this particular moment. But, but all you need to know. I do want to say something I learned from, I, I don't know who originally said this, but it's sort of like one of those like writer things that you just hear repeated by other writers and uh-huh. they say when you get to a certain point of, of a, a certain skill level when it comes to writing you no longer need to tell anyone how they opened the door left the room and entered the next one you simply put them there and I yep. respect it. I'll say too, like maybe because we've done like the homework of getting through the first book, the three body problem. But this book, in a, a lot of ways, like I find myself almost like going flipping back many, many pages to be like, did I miss something? Because there was so much exposition in the first installment that, like by comparison, now it just feels like I'm reading the screenplay of like the movie of it or something, where like the scene's just starting and that's all that you need to know. And I kind of like that a lot more. Oh, totally. I mean, even the time we spent on the jet plane with Luo G, like, yes, that is where we learned a lot of his backstory and it served as a vehicle for learning that backstory. But like without that backstory, trust we wouldn't have been on that plane that long. <laughs> you no. know, We would have gotten to the UN in like 10 minutes. Literally. Mm-hmm. So today, Wallfacer Tyler, all you need to know is that he is arriving somewhere via escort and he's blindfolded. So wherever he's going, I, my immediate thought is like, okay, Kinky. maybe another secret like military site since he is like studying like really intimately the military's inner workings or something but no baby he eyes wide himself. shut he's on long island in a mansion full of sex parties and animal masks and he's Imagine. the only one who wore clothes I wish. No, wrong book. Wrong book. Tyler finds himself removing the blindfold from his face in the hills of Afghanistan. And we learn that Tyler is sort of on this like worldwide tour, basically going from country to country to country, trying to find elements that he needs to put his wallfacer plan into place. I love that. It's another t-shirt with tour stops on the back. (laughs) Tyler's wallfacer plan. Japan, China, Afghanistan. It's the Tyler tour. (laughs) Yep. Okay. With one of those maps and like the dotted line, you know, like old vintage movies when planes are flying from place to place. Mm -hmm. So we learn that he's in Afghanistan and we know that he's looking for components that he needs to put his plan into action, ultimately, hopefully, and having a chance in defeating the Trisolarans. And some of the exposition from this passage makes a point that Tyler is looking at the people who are walking around him and he takes stock of where he is and he's inside like a cave or like some part of a like a hollowed out mountain that's been fully outfitted militarily like there are screens set up there are all kinds of like random munitions and like cases of weapons and things that like any sort of like mobile military unit would need in sort of like a hideout headquarters type situation while he's in this cave he's looking around around at all of the people and he makes a point to say oh that person looks like a doctor that person looks like a nurse oh that person is definitely not a doctor so i'm thinking like is he sick you know the book kind of mentions he's walking with a limp so maybe he needs some medical attention or something but then we get to the meat of why he's here there's an old man lying on a hospital bed and 
it becomes apparently clear that like this man is the entire reason that Tyler has shown up here. He's described as very old, thin, pretty frail, with a long white beard. And then they kind of have a discussion about like, you know, the nature of humanity, how how man is a like is a peculiar animal. And like they sort of talk about things that you're from the old man's perspective. They talk about things, you know, how he views the world, what's worth investing in ideologically, what's worth investing in militaristically. And then Tyler brings up something as it relates to the organization that this old man leads. And he brings up Isaac Asimov's The Foundation series. Do you know this book series? It's also a TV show by Apple TV+. Plus. Oh, you Lee literally is the star. recommended it to me like a few episodes ago. It's amazing. It's like one of, I think, one of Wait, the best like, sci-fi series that exists. And so that comes up in this book because really the Foundation series is like a cornerstone of sci-fi literature worldwide just because of like how it posits humanity could look society could look you know when there are multiple societies all living in different places throughout the cosmos so Tyler brings up to the old man laying on this bed he's like you named your organization after those books didn't you like isn't that what the name of your organization translates to the foundation and just for a little bit of context here I didn't know this and i don't know if it's true or if it's just quote unquote true in terms of like you know the story that is being told here but the footnote when tyler says your organization the organization he's talking about to this old man is hamas is al-qaeda oh it's al-qaeda it's al-qaeda and so the implication is that because of like the time that this book was published and released the implication i think is that tyler is having a one-on-one meeting in a cave with the the, at this point, unfound Osama bin Laden. Oh my god are you gagged i'm so gagged so like tyler is like a hundred thousand percent like definitely up to something you know like he's he's out looking for whatever he needs for his plan but like he's meeting with a leader of america's terrorist organization you know number one right right enemy number one it's like it's crazy and he knows where they he, he knows where he is he knows where he is regionally but he doesn't know physically like if 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 they just like decided not to take him back wherever they picked him up from he couldn't get back there because he was blindfolded the entire way here got it got it got it got it got it so now it's becoming clear like oh like he is meeting with someone military but like not the military you saw him meeting with the last time what year is it in the book Like, maybe I guess it's actually 2000 and, like, something, but not 2020 or whatever. I guess that makes sense, because when did this book no, come out? It's like, yeah, it's like 2000-something pre that photo of, like, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama sitting in the Situation Room and Hillary, like, agog because they, you know, we got him or whatever. Right, right. It's before SEAL Team 6, before all that. Right, before the is like water the burial. I was going to say, like, if it's <laughs> technically 2023 or whatever, and, like, Cixin Liu is implying that, like, we actually didn't catch Osama. Yeah, right. Can you imagine? (laughs) That would be next level. Also, did you see the book cover I sent you? The original dust jacket for Foundation? Ooh, no. It's gorgeous. I was like, they really don't make book covers like they used to. Oh, my God. Isn't that gorgeous? Wait, I'm pulling it up. We'll post it on the IG. You texted it to me? Yeah. Your name's Brett, right? It's Brett, actually. (laughs) 
Wait, it was funny when oh. we were talking about who's taking which sections. I was like, you're the bread and I'm the meat. I was like, uh-huh. no, actually, you're the bread. <laughs> I'm the bread. You're the meat. That's right. This cover is sick. I mean, it looks like right? it looks like home. It looks like our spiral galaxy. And there's something about the like texture of it. Just really mm-hmm. satisfying. In the All hand done. I know. I miss practical things like that. Right. Anyway. Now that we understand who Tyler is meeting with, ideologically kind of what they stand for, but also knowing the goal that Tyler is going after, I'm still sort of like, okay, like, how does this, like, jibe? Like, where yeah. where did these Venn diagrams overlap where these two people, like, need to be meeting, basically? Next stop, New Jersey, meeting with Tony Soprano. <laughs> I mean, n- not no. Who else? Okay, wrong answers only. Who else is Tyler meeting with? He's going to Afghanistan to meet with Ben Laden. He's going to New Jersey to meet with Tony Soprano. He's going, who else? What unsavory leader? He's going to New York to meet Al Capone. Right, right. Oh, he's actually going straight to um, Mar-a-Lago next to meet with Donald Trump pre-presidency. Yep. He's going to, oh, he's obviously flying on the Lolita Express. Yikes. Massad, right? Mm-hmm. Also, did you see Ghislaine Maxwell release a statement through her lawyer? Oh, she did? What did she have to say? She was like, what this is all about, basically, is the abuse of power by men. And look at the only person who's sitting in prison, you know, for these crimes. I mean... A woman. I was like, okay, not, feminist not angle. Say, yeah, not to say that she should be released, but it's like, but that more come sh- on. That more that people. client list, yeah, like the client list should also, and granted, like maybe the Justice Department is like, you know, doing their thing and just not like publicizing it because they like to move in secret until they're like ready to go, you know? But I'm like, come on, like there's no way one, per- it's not like Ghislaine Maxwell was like single-handedly helping perpetrate that. So it's like, come on, there have to be others. I don't want her free i just I want know. equal more people in jail but i know i know i hate i hate to saw i i, I was just like you know what Gillian? good statement i don't know if you came up with that yourself and and i don't think you deserve to be out of prison but you're or not if she's wrong, even aware but not no i wonder <laughs> yeah not no but i wonder too if like her lawyers put that out like even with her knowledge even right I mean, honestly, well-crafted. Maybe it's her PR, actually. I mean, you know she still has. Very interesting. I want to watch her TED Talk on Oceans. Ooh. (laughs) Maybe we'll do that for Patreon, too. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we recap Ghislaine Maxwell's TED Talk on marine life. Okay. Yeah, okay, so. Back to you. Back to Afghanistan. Switching from, switching from one kind of terrorist to another, now we're back with Tyler in the cave with the leader of, I'm assuming, Al-Qaeda being Osama bin Laden. It doesn't say that explicitly, he but who like, shall that's not the be image. Named. Yeah, that's the image I'm holding in my head. Like, dying Voldemort on the bed here is meeting with Tyler. Yeah. So He did have kidney failure, notoriously. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, Voldemort too, famously. Did he? No, but I mean, <laughs> so Tyler and we'll say Osama bin Laden get into sort of like an ideological we'll Shoshana Shin discussion. Laden. <laughs> Shoshana Shin Fladen. 
<laughs> Just like a fictional leader of a fictional terrorist organization. That just happens to bear the name Al-Qaeda of the actual terrorist organization. Yeah, blurring the lines between fiction and reality. So Tyler and this leader get into a discussion of sort of like ideology, right? Of like, you know, not so much of like what you guys do is bad and what we do is good, but it's sort of like Tyler is aware that the whole of humanity is sort of falling prey to this idea of defeatism, right? Where like you've got in America, everybody is sort of putting false hope into the Hubble 2 that was launched, right? Because like that's just a way to see into the cosmos. But like somehow Americans not really being like scientifically plugged in are sort of thinking like, oh, Hubble 2 is going to be what defeats the Trisolarans. So America is pretty much like done with worrying about the Trisolar crisis. Everywhere else in the world, you have people sort of like resigning themselves to like the ideas of kind of like, well, why do we even try? Like we don't stand a chance. They're traveling interstellar space. We can't do that. It's over, da, 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 that kind of thing. So like by and large on Earth at this moment, everybody kind of thinks that the fight against Trisolaris is only ever going to be a losing one. So they're not even really thinking about it as being like a potential thing they could win. Tyler says to this terrorist leader in a little gesture of like, hey, I don't have ill will towards you. I know that like most every government on the planet wants you dead and not by natural causes. Like I know the US wants to drop a bomb on you. Everybody else wants to see you like poisoned or killed in combat or like otherwise overtaken and taken out. I don't want that for you. I've actually brought you a little gift and he's brought this leader a box of chocolates from C's Candies that he got at the Baghdad airport. C's Candies has a Baghdad location? <laughs> They're in every airport in the world. I mean, basically, the black and white stripes are pretty ubiquitous. Yeah. He opens up a briefcase and he pulls out a completely pristine, preserved first edition set of the Foundation novels translated into Arabic. And the guy's like, ah, oh, this is amazing. I've never seen these in my language and in such good quality. Da, da, da. Thank you for the gift. Why have you given me this? And Tyler says, I'm going to turn you into Selden, which if you don't know, if you haven't read the series or if you haven't seen the TV show, that's a character from the Foundation series. And basically what Harry Selden, that character did in Foundation is he basically was able to like upload his consciousness into like we'll just say a mainframe so that everybody who followed him oh. as sort of like their like tech idealistic like god leader for like a vision of a new better world they basically after the real the living breathing man Harry Selden died his consciousness lived on exactly perfectly preserved so that throughout time Everybody would always have access to the man, the myth, the legend, Harry Selden and his teachings, and they would never get diluted over time because he's not alive anymore. So Tyler goes, hey, Mr. Terrorist Leader, I'm going to turn you into a real life version of this guy. And the old man is like, why? Like, why? Why would that be a thing that you would want to do? And Tyler is basically like, because I'm going to make sure that you, your ideals and your organization, Al-Qaeda. <laughs> will be preserved 
until the end of time. I think that that is vitally important. And I'm like, okay, Tyler, uh, you're like simultaneously working like really deeply embedded with like the US military, but you also want this terrorist organization preserved for all time. And he's like, hell yeah. Tell me hell yeah, what you need. <laughs> To make that happen. Like, if it's money, if it's weapons, if it's, like, more secure routes to get around or, like, vehicles and equipment, like, just let me know. I can make whatever happen that you need because he's like, I'm a wall facer. I say anything and it happens before I'm finished speaking the sentence, basically. And Bin Laden's like, here's what I'm going to need. I'm going to need three gallons of Luberderm, an order, (laughs) a 10-piece order of McDonald's, and it has to be from the one on Bell Boulevard in Queens. Next, I'm going to need you to assemble a flight simulator. (laughs) But the terrorist leader is like, no, 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 no. Like, I don't I don't need material anything like trust. We're like the like the best funded terrorist organization on the plug. We're good. We don't need We've got the full fucking what's the full support of bleep is out. Bleep is out. We got the full support of. We don't need anything from you. If you think the Wallfacer project is well funded, honey, imagine having the behind you. Bleep, mm-hmm. bleep that out. <laughs> but like, keep it in. But like, bleep out the, the country. This terrorist leader is like, no, no, we don't need any of that. I need you to guarantee one thing for me. So we got a nice little quid pro quo. Tyler's like, okay, what? The terrorist leader is like, to survive, I need hatred. And Tyler's like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, okay. And the terrorist leader continues. He's like, think about it this way. The Trisolarans want all of humanity destroyed. They don't just want the West gone. They don't just want the East gone. They want all of us gone. So we need hatred to continue. Otherwise, we can't exist. Like, that's literally the fuel that runs our engine. So, like, in some way, help us engender more and more hatred on the planet. Because otherwise, we don't have a stage to walk onto, basically. It is a really good point i mean how do you inspire action right yeah is to infuriate like people act when they are angry and people are angry when they perceive an enemy and they perceive an enemy or you know and and hatred and the enemy are part and parcel yeah like even going so far the the terrorist leader describes hatred this sort of like you know kind of amorphous idea of a thing that he needs he describes it as being both a treasure more precious than gold or diamonds and a weapon that's keener than any other in the world but now Mm. it's gone it's not yours to give back so the organization like me doesn't have long to live so he's thinking like you know the one thing i need is the one thing that like you can't actually give me i don't think so like i know you're telling me that you want my organization to last forever but like i'm seeing the clock counting down and it's counting down not up and like i think that we're just like naturally coming to the end of al-qaeda basically Mm. a plea for hatred yeah and this is gonna come up in a little bit it kind of sparks something in tyler's mind that he's gonna put to use later so they basically realize that the thing that this leader of this terrorist organization needs tyler can't actually physically give to him even though he's the one man on the planet that could physically give anything to anybody he's got some like new ideas starting to form into his head and so he's like all right well you know thanks for meeting with me like i'm not gonna tell the u.s your location or anything but like thanks for taking the meeting 
meeting and uh, I guess I'm gonna go and right as he leaves the old man says ah the wise always die young may he find heaven whichever one it is and for most of the ride back Tyler was not blindfolded so for the first chance he gets like an actual look at where he is and he sees the whole of Afghanistan all the mountains all the beautiful scenery just like unfolding before him just like pure nature it kind of reminds me actually I was out hiking in California in the Angeles National Forest yesterday and it just like kind of gave me that that's what I was thinking about actually just all these kind of like hidden little like you know nooks and crannies that open up to like vast chambers and things and on his way back he has a little conversation like ish with like a, a young guy who's driving him who doesn't really speak English but the man beside him does so he's like kind of translating and he looks at this young boy who's driving and he sees he's armed and he asks him he's like have you ever killed anybody with that thing but he doesn't understand Tyler so the man riding beside him looks at him and goes no he's actually never fought anybody there hasn't been fighting for a very long time so it's just echoing what the what the terrorist leader was saying of like yeah we technically still exist but like in what capacity we're not even fighting anybody anymore ideologically hatred for other humans has gone because now people are only either in the binary like still actually terrified of the trisolarans or they don't give a fuck about anything anymore because they're like it's all pointless no i'm not gonna fight with a random stranger because the world's gonna blow up in 400 years Hmm. and tyler's last thought in this scene again for like the fourth or the fifth no i think this is the third mom i'm going to be a firefly i really it chills and this section gives way to what is certain to be the greatest number in Dark Forest the musical without question which has been Laden's solo mm-hmm. and it goes like this obviously he's like I, I honestly I'm like why hasn't the, is there a bin Laden solo in any musical yet no not till this one and so bin Laden singing if we all could spread a little hatred we all could get something done we all could spread a little animosity then we all could shoot him with a gun pow pow and then it's like the tap dancers come out it's honestly like the producers Mm -hmm. but like a new evolution right i'm here for that yeah i love the producers yeah you know you've seen it i want to be a producer i want to be a producer clearly springtime for hitler in germany was one of the funniest fucking things i think exactly ever been put and, onto a stage. And, and i feel like summertime for bin laden in afghanistan there's something there Actually, wait yeah. should we write like bush the musical yes like that but, is but money which? honey hw or w w, mm, w. we could call it w, w the, the musical. musical it's actually brilliant <laughs> that's his laugh <laughs> Wait, no, it could be so good. Does it start out with him getting elected? We've got Jeb. Please clap. Like, think of the characters. Think of the events. We've we've obviously got 9-11, which is terrible, but it's hard. Like, I actually tend to quote, um, and I feel like people don't realize... Or, you know what? It's also in a song. I think it's sampled in a Kanye or in a Jay-Z song when he's like, uh-huh. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. You can't, can't fool, fool me, me again. again. <laughs> yeah. 
like bless him he and like nuclear nuclear Nuclear. weapons yep okay what the producers did which was like so brilliant and like we obviously need like it's just been done so i can't do it but like they took like the worst musical possible and then put it within the context of like musical producers who want to make the worst musical possible because they're basically shorting the musical like yeah it's the big short yeah like where it's like okay we can make more money by producing a flop than we could by producing a hit and i'm just like okay well what is our original frame like what is our new fresh original framing device with which we can make w the musical like Mm. you know if it's not the producers like how do we get away with creating such an unsavory caricature like book of mormon is a really great true it's been years since i've seen book of mormon we should make a point of watching book of mormon i feel like is it all like viewable i'm sure somewhere disney plus i think broadway world has a lot of state because of the pandemic broadway world has a lot of recordings that i think maybe have like slight barrier to access you know by way of like having to rent it to see it or whatever but i think they have a lot of like official from the production recordings that you can see that they made available during the pandemic when broadway was closed listen listeners (laughs) what else would you be doing um (laughs) if you have any more ideas for bush the musical and you want to get involved write to us i'm open for collaboration You know we will. It's good, but you can't steal it. Don't take my idea. But I will work with you. Anyway. Anyway. Now, Allie, this section, you're setting us up. We're still with Tyler, but he's somewhere else now. So we've got a new scene alert. New scene alert. Yes. So now we, once again, switch scenes with no indication of how we got there. Because guess what? There's no need. We are at the fourth PDC wall facer hearing, which as you may remember, Luoji does not even show up for. So we just got three of the mm-hmm. four wall facers here. You got Tyler, you got Heinz, and you've got Radius. Men, 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 men. Where's Ghislaine? They should have given Ghislaine a shot. <laughs> Ghislaine yeah. could have done it. Mm-hmm. So, fourth PDC wall facer meeting, and guess what? We're still with Tyler. We're kind of focused on Tyler right now, who just came back from Afghanistan. And what they really emphasize in this chapter is that Tyler is exhausted. Mm-hmm. He is not getting enough sleep because he is staying up thinking about how he's going to save the human race. Mm-hmm. And at this fourth PDC Wallfazer meeting, he has submitted revisions to his mosquito swarm plan. Okay. As you can remember, Tyler wants to like kamikaze the fleet of Trisolarans. Yeah. And he's like working on putting together a team of people that are brave and focused and hopeful and skilled and willing. And ready to die. And it's not easy. Yeah. And part of his proposal, part of his revisions are to have to equip each pilot with two control systems. If you ask me, it's a little cart before the horse, Mm -hmm. but listen, you submit it all and you see what the timeline ends up being, I guess. Sure, yeah. So he wants every pilot to have two control systems. One that is pilot controlled and one that goes into drone mode. So he can like take control of everybody at once literally he's like switching to drone mode will allow me the most capable the the mastermind of the plan to and he's not this arrogant about it but like come on there's there's implied arrogance here by saying that basically i need all my pilots to be able to be switched to drone mode so that i can control all of them remotely which i 
guess there's makes sense, but it's like to only have one like master control. Like it feels like a huge weak spot. What if you're linked up to only have one person be in control? Like I feel like you know, like Trisolarians are able to like fucking travel interstellar distances in like no time. I'm like they're probably gonna have a technology that can identify which one is controlling all of them and just take that one out. I know. I'm imagining him like on an iPad, <laughs> like moving around a bunch of planes. Yeah, like me right now. Exactly. Yeah. And Hines himself, Bill Hines, mm-hmm. Snickers. He's like, uh, oh, you're very hands-on, aren't you? Which, like, he's yeah. basically kind of just being snide and remarking, like, wow, you're really full of yourself, huh? Like, yeah. you're, we'll all be safe because... Supreme Space Mosquito Leader. Tyler has got his hands on an iPad. And someone else is like, okay, so you're saying that you're planning to hibernate then until the doomsday battle. And Tyler's like, do I have a choice? I mean, I just went to Japan, China, Afghanistan, and I haven't found what I'm looking for, so it looks like it's going to be on me. Mm-hmm. And someone else goes, and we understand you paid someone else a visit, referring Ooh, to you know that's who. That's got to be the U.S. Yeah, someone from a U.S. representative is like, and oh, we also understand you saw someone else. Thank you very much. Oh, actually, okay, got it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was and, just making a joke. I'm like, that has to be the Pentagon. Oh, it was. And he's like, yeah, but don't worry, it didn't yield me anything. He's like, I'm trying to establish a force of dedicated space fighters, and if I can't, I'm gonna have to guide them in the final attack myself. Whoa, okay, got it. Everyone's pretty much speechless at this. And Tyler continues. He says, I have supplemented my plan. Or he's like, and I also am proposing a supplement to my plan. I'd like to commission a series of studies on certain bodies in the solar system, specifically Europa series and several comets. Now, what's okay. interesting uh, people are like, why? Like, how is that related? And Tyler's like, yeah. uh, do I need to answer that? And Ooh. obviously, he does not need to answer that. He's a wall facer. Ever, yeah. But what is interesting, and I do wonder what he is thinking, is that Ceres is a dwarf planet that orbits the sun between the orbits of Mars and Jupiter. Mm-hmm. Okay. And back in the 18th century, around the discovery of Neptune, basically between the acceptance of heliocentrism okay, wow. and, and the discovery of Neptune, okay. there were several astronomers that argued that like mathematical laws predicted the existence of a hidden or missing planet mm-hmm. between Mars and Jupiter. Because, right, it's like the only thing that makes sense for why those orbits are the ways that they are. There has to be something there that we haven't seen Exactly. Yet. Come on, astronomy. I know. I'm, like, obsessed with that. I love I love, like, wait, we're supposed to have, like, a tenth planet. I know. I love proto-astronomy, where they're like, there's something there. We've never seen it, but we know it's there. Exactly. It's giving very, like, planet X or whatever. Yes. It was reminding me of something, but, like, I can't remember. I feel like we talked about there, like, a... Well, there, theorize there is a planet, like, past the orbit of pluto past even potentially the oort cloud that's still technically part of the, the solar, solar system that's this theorized planet x or nibiru that like is on such a long orbit around the sun that like it is responsible this the theory goes that when nibiru approaches it's what's responsible for the global cataclysm that seems to repeat throughout history on like planetary scale like the thing that maybe led to the end of the dinosaurs the thing that led to the end of like you know if you believe in literally the history 
mysteries of like the Old Testament, you know, like Adam and Eve, rather than being the first created, there are like other ideas that say maybe they were some of the last living after a cataclysm type thing. So it's like, you know, it gives rise to that kind of thinking. Totally. And Ceres was believed at a time to be a planet, but it was later downgraded to an Mm -hmm. asteroid. But it is the largest asteroid in the main asteroid belt. Got it. Big boy. And it has a prominent mountain, cryovolcanoes. Whoa. And a lot of ice, a ton of ice. Mm-hmm. It does have an atmosphere of water vapor. Oh, and the one's real, and like, so obviously there's been like, okay, well, is this, does this have, you know, potent, like, could this have life? you know, because of the water content yeah, and because of the cryovolcanic activity. It does provide a potential habitat for microbial life. We don't know. But the last really interesting thing I read about Ceres on the Wikipedia is that the Chinese space agency was designing a sample return mission from mm. Ceres okay. that would take place during the 2020s. Wow. So it's like, okay, book. Yeah. Okay, like- the Dark Force. Okay, Tyler, who's a made-up character who wants to study series like yeah i don't know it kind of feels like china's actually doing exactly that and then europa kind of a similar deal but europa is one of jupiter's largest moons yeah and there's a massive the scientists are almost certain that beneath the icy surface of europa is a massive saltwater ocean that is about twice has about twice as much volume of water as Earth's oceans. Yeah, massive. There's actually, there's a NASA mission headed there relatively soon. Oh, is there? Oh, in 2024, right? Yeah, to study it. here. Yeah, they're sending the Europa Clipper to investigate whether Europa has the capability to support life. I've seen it. Last time I was at NASA at Kennedy, I saw it in the clean room. Really? Yeah, really cool. What? When were you at? When? NASA, I applied for it. So they have this thing where whenever they have launches, you can apply for press credentials. And it's like my whole professional life is in food i never talk about that but my entire professional life is in food so i (laughs) I applied for press credentials yeah surprise i applied for their press credentials because i wanted to cover so it was a spacex launch but it was a nasa resupply mission to the international space station and specifically on this launch they were sending up all sorts of like plant studies like seed studies things like that specifically to like test new technology that nasa scientists had developed at that time to basically give us better options of growing food in space rather than having to rely solely on like ready to eat like you know prepared sort of like military issue kind of meals so i got the press credentials i flew to florida i drove i drove to kennedy space center and like got my all access pat like they did the background check everything this was at this point maybe like five years ago or something it was before we met but like i literally was there we like went through all of like the operating laboratory I met the scientists responsible for like, you know, all those like tabletop herb gardens you can keep in the kitchen. I met the scientists who like are the reason why that has made its way into the consumer field because they first developed it for the International Space Station and growing food in space. So the last time I was there, they also take you around like I saw like what's it called? The Space Launch System, NASA's SLS. They're like version of like Falcon Heavy, you know, that's going to take 
us back to the moon eventually uh i saw that like in its stack like still inside the warehouse uh it's wild i'll dig through i'll find the photos and i'll post those this week also so you can see you know a little bit of behind the scenes at nasa but that's like all i was thinking about as you're describing this i was like wait i've seen some of this stuff it's crazy that is crazy well yeah they're sending uh the europa clipper this year with the specific mission of finding out whether it can support life which is honestly dark just sad to me yeah (laughs) that we've destroyed this planet to such a degree but maybe we won't do it on the next round i hope not but so that spacecraft the clipper is supposed to enter orbit and begin its search in 2030 that's how long it's gonna take wow got it and that's in our own fucking solar system so fucking crazy space is massive so big but it's also always expanding getting bigger uh so anyways those are his amendments but then sorry he has one last final recommendation which to put it simply is to lay off of the eto to just stop trying to dismantle them oh ray diaz jumps out of his chair he's like what are you crazy tyler's like listen listen they are our only direct channel of communication between earth and trisolaris i know Mm. i know that like the, their alliance is alarming, but we cannot wipe out the only source of enemy intelligence, right? That would be like... He's got a point. Right. That, like, you know, it's like when we're code breaking or like trying to like intercept communications between two enemies. Like, well, what happens if there's no communications to be intercepted? You've got yeah. a lot less information to work with. So he's like, I'm sure you all understand. And Hines, Bill Hines, is like, sure, Tyler, but the three of us are a unit in the mind of the public. So you need to keep our reputation in mind. Anyway, the PDC meeting finally wraps up. There's unresolved arguments still going, but overall, there's an agreement for the PDC to look into Tyler's three proposed revisions and take a vote at the next hearing. Tyler is the last one to leave the assembly hall. He's super drowsy from his lengthy travels. He's pretty much just like, you know, when you're like in class in high school and it's only like third period and it's like 10 30 a.m and your eyes are just shutting and that's when he realized he's overlooked a huge liability okay he realizes that he needs a psychologist and or a specialist in sleep medicine he needs someone to keep him from talking in his sleep Oh, that's why he was like taking note of like, oh, that guy looks like a doctor. Oh, she might be a nurse. Oh, wait, what is what? Because remember when he was like in the cave in Afghanistan, he was like looking around at the people who were like there as like part of that unit. And he was like, oh, that person definitely looks like a doctor. Oh, that person's definitely like a nurse, maybe. But like, he didn't talk to them. He was just aware of. Wait, so what does Tyler know that he's like afraid he's going to blab about while he's actually no, I take that back. I wonder, is Tyler just afraid that he's going to like fully divulge his plan to a sofon while he's sleeping or does he know he sleep talks or like i i mean and are we gonna meet a new like doctor character or are we just gonna see tyler completely blow his own plan up like or is he gonna be completely relegated and and dismissed from duty like i kind of am rooting for that i don't want tyler to be a wall facer me either because i'm like i don't i i guess i i know the whole thing is like luoji said it last week where like the whole like point of a wall facer is to be like a professional liar you know so that you can get away with your plan without anybody ever figuring out what the plan actually is but i'm like there's something about tyler like implicitly i trust luoji more than i trust tyler i think maybe 
it's because we've spent more time with Luoji up until this point, but also I'm like, I don't really trust Tyler any further than I can like throw him. You know what I mean? Totally. I know. Bring in a woman. Bring in Ghislaine Maxwell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> don't ask a man to do, what is it? What is that saying? Anyway. You can lead a man to fish, but you can't make him drink. No, that's you can lead a horse to water. But you know what I always say? I say you can lead a what? horse to water, but you can't drink my pee. <laughs> <laughs> New scene. And new country. Bienvenue à Paris. <laughs> we are at the Louvre. And now we join Luoji and his perfect dream woman incarnate, <laughs> Yan Yan. The hottest woman in the world. The cosmos, baby. So they've come to the Louvre at her request, and they're getting the Beyonce treatment, like private after-hours viewing, no one else is there, they have free reign, it's like well, well after closing. Like, they have come back to work and turned everything back on because Wallfacer, Luoji, and Boothang, Yan Yan have arrived. Remember, they're here because Luoji told Yan Yan her only job while she's with him is to be truly happy. That's all she has to do for work. And so she's like, okay, well, it would make me truly happy to go to the Louvre. Can we go there? So now they're here. They're walking through the largest exhibition hall and Luoji's just kind of watching her wander through the exhibitions, looking at the paintings, and he's not really interacting with her. He's giving her space to wander ahead in front of him. And it's kind of coming across like this is the real Yan Yan at this point but it's almost like he's interacting with her only as much as he would interact with his hallucination of her it's almost like he still hasn't allowed himself to realize like oh this is like flesh and blood she's like here in front of me now but it also comes across like super voyeuristic a little bit which i was like lol that's funny that like luoji would rather like stand and creep on his girl from across the literal like gallery than just like walk alongside her or whatever i don't know kind of weird i get it he's trying not to be codependent Even though he, like, really is about to be, oh, I yeah. feel like. <laughs> he catches up to her, and, you know, they're, they're like, looking at the paintings, seeing the sculptures, and they kind of talk about how they could basically spend forever in the Louvre with each other. Like, they could spend lifetimes looking at all these paintings, because between the two of them, she has the knowledge of, you know, the paintings, the masters, the artists behind the canvases that are on the walls, but Luoji just wants to be in her presence and forget about the fact that the world needs him to be one of their four saviors, basically. Luoji brings up, he's like, I'm surprised you wanted to come to the Louvre. Out of all the museums in Paris, like, why didn't you want to go see any of the modern paintings? And Yan Yan's basically like, mm, yeah, I'm not really into modern art, mm-hmm. but like, I like old art, but not art that's like so old. Like, I'm actually just into Renaissance painters. And Luoji's like, well, Yan Yan, that's still pretty old. Like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, yeah, but like, they were before their time. They were visionaries. Renaissance painters were the first people who discovered beauty. And to himself, Luoji is like, ugh, this humanistic spirit that the Renaissance masters 
bought into has actually become humanity's downfall. Mm. And Yan Yan's like, what do you mean? Like with the aliens? And he's like, yeah, the way things are going in the next 400 years, humanity could have easily regressed back into the Middle Ages. Yan Yan, who like only cares about the paintings, it seems like, is like in full-blown like art crisis mode. And she's like, okay, well, does that mean art will enter a dark age if humanity goes back into the Middle Ages? And to himself, Luoji is kind of like, Jesus, like how can she be so smart but so simple? Like she's worried about art when like humanity should be lucky if the worst that happens to us is that we get regressed back to the Middle Ages. Like it would be luck if that even happened. Like we're most likely facing annihilation by these aliens. Like she's not even thinking. So they kind of have this moment where without actually really saying it, between the two of them, Yan Yan understands, I think a little more about like the severity of the threat that's facing humanity. Like it's this real moment where you can kind of feel the energy between the two of them shift and you can kind of tell there's like this quiet burden settling down on her that hadn't been there before. Mm. And so they're like... Okay, well... Memento Mori, if you will. And they're like, not to be a buzzkill, but uh, I guess let's keep walking and seeing these paintings while they still matter. And <laughs> Luoji is showing her sculptures all throughout Asia, from Africa, and kind of, while he's doing this, I notice, like, from the book, he kind of comes out in support of not returning artworks to the places where they were stolen from, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting. He comes out as, like, a very staunch museum supporter, because, like, museums have the noble cause of like basically preserving the histories at least aesthetically of civilizations of the past mm, they like say they're like a protective yeah like, like a ultimately bank, yeah allegedly. we're like you know like sorry your artwork got stolen but they're in better hands by these white people because they're gonna take care of them and i'm like whoa right. luoji didn't Listen. think you you know i thought we were like a cab over here but no we're very much like keep your stolen art if we left here the art with you then what would happen to it when you got conquered yeah like we're just think we're protecting you if you think about it you're welcome so you know he comes out in support of like you know let the met keep whatever they have let the louvre keep whatever they have and as they're making their way through the galleries yan yan's like okay well if museums preserve art and history and culture do you think the Trisolarans will preserve any of humanity's cultural heritage mm-hmm. like they want us extinct and luo's like listen yan yan like i know i told you they called us bugs but think about it this way what's the highest respect a civilization can receive and she's like uh, I don't know. I like art, not riddles. What's the answer? <laughs> He's yeah, like, Yan yeah. Yan, it's annihilation. They want us extinct. They're threatened by us. And just by the fact that they want us annihilated, that should make us feel only respected by them. Mm. And then, as they stop near an Egyptian sarcophagus, Luoji sets up kind of what feels like it's going to be his first fight with Yan Yan. He goes, Yan Yan, do you know who I'm thinking about right now? Sophie Marceau, who, for record, Sophie Marceau is a French actress best known for her performance in Braveheart, Firelight, Anna Karenina, and as Electra King in the 19th James Bond film, The World is Not Enough. So she's like international, you know, French-born international 
professional, like gorgeous actress. So and random. he's like, do you know who I'm thinking about right now? Yan Yan, my perfect female counterpart who I had plucked out of obscurity and I've taken you to this private viewing of the Louvre. Not you. I'm thinking of this famous actress, Sophie Marceau. Sorry, I was looking up pictures of Sophie Marceau. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> she is gorgeous, Yan Yan, I have to say. Not that you're not gorgeous. So Yan Yan, like, you know, kind of responds to him like, oh, Sophie Marceau, she is gorgeous. I mean, she kind of has, like, Eastern features, too, actually. Oop. And is she jelly? Luo Ji senses a little trace of jealousy and offense in her voice, which you know what? I don't fucking blame her. Mm-hmm. She's been brought here for one reason and one reason alone, and that's for her good looks. And now yeah. you're going to completely undermine her yeah. her reason to be. She's already Hashtag been. De- why are men? <laughs> yeah, like she's already been deprived of literally all other um, you know, qualities. Yeah. But then Luo Ji is like, Yan Yan, she's not as beautiful as you. And that's the truth. It's like, okay, you already mm-hmm. dug your grave a little bit. And he wants to say more, but he doesn't, you know, when you kind of like say too much, it can kind of sound insincere. Yeah. So you just kind of have to leave it and like let her work through her own feelings of jealousy. Sure. Yeah. We've all been there. She changes the subject wisely. And it's like, let's just go back to the oil paintings. So there's three pieces of art that everyone goes to the Louvre to see. Uh-huh. The Winged Victory, the Venus de Milo, uh-huh. and the Mona Lisa. Miss Nike, Miss Venus, Miss Lisa. Exactly. And he's uh-huh. like, let's go see Miss Lisa. What do you think of that? So they head in that direction. Yan Yan's talking about how her like teacher in university was disgusted with the Mona Lisa and the Venus de Milo because... Uh-huh tourists would go there to see those two things and have no interest in seeing anything else that is of equal uh greatness like popularity yeah or just like talent oh got it okay. um like of lower popularity but of equal ability value yes yeah. exactly and luoji is like well then consider me one of the great uncultured because mm. i want to see the mona lisa <laughs> period so again i'm like are you guys compatible uh but whatever i mean to date, the only people I've seen with like a private viewing shot of the Mona Lisa were Jay Z and Beyonce. So like, you know, yeah, not that I'm going to the Louvre for the Mona Lisa, but like, I want that photo with that gallery empty. So Yan Yan complies. Obviously, she's not in control. Mm-hmm. Really, all she does is comply. It, truly, and so she's like, all right, let's go to the Mona Lisa. And they go to the Mona Lisa, and they're staring at the surprisingly small painting. That's obviously, uh, if you've ever seen the photo. You know, actually in the museum, it's encased in glass, bulletproof glass. Do you think that's the actual Mona Lisa? Oh, we're not getting into this conspiracy. I don't know. Because there there are... It might be again, too valuable. A non-zero group of people who believe that all museums are... Replicas. Like, ...fraudulently displaying because the works themselves would be too, like, high risk to actually have, especially in the day of, like, climate activists yeah. throwing paint on things. I kind of believe that. I mean, why wouldn't you... No person looking at, like, the Mona Lisa is actually going to be able to tell whether it's the real one or not. Unless you you're like an, close to it. Unless you're like an expert. And if you are an expert, you're probably involved with the replica. And it's like preservation. Or yeah, yeah like exactly. Something. So she's looking at the mysterious, iconic, opaque smile of the Mona Lisa. Honestly, the first wall facer. Oh, and that is literally what she says. Oh, actually? She goes, 
seeing the Mona Lisa reminds me of all of you. He's like, all of us? She's like, the wall facers. I mean, yeah. Luigi's like, like, what is she thinking? What's that Nobody supposed knows. to mean? What's that supposed to mean? You're thinking of the other wall facers? Who? Bill? Tyler? Oh, now now he's jealous? <laughs> These two are toxic already. They've known each other for 12 hours. <laughs> he actually doesn't say that, but like, yes, I agree with you. There's. I like that. I like to think so, though. under like an undercurrent of toxicity. No doubt yeah. brewing. I mean, knowing his past, you don't just heal from your mommy issues because you meet a hot chick. No. And that's on period. So... Because she becomes mommy, baby. He's like, what's that supposed to mean? What does what what Mona Lisa's smile have to do with the wall facers? She's like... Don't don't bring Julia Roberts into this. <laughs> Yan Yan is like, oh, so now you're thinking about Julia Roberts. <laughs> He's like, what, what... Yan Yan, just tell me what you meant by that. She's like... No. And then they she just gives him the silent treatment for like 30 pages. Oh, God. <laughs> and then finally, when the silent treatment breaks, they smile at each other. And she's like, okay, here's what I was thinking. A wall facer smile or a nice smile? Um, A nice smile, I think. Okay. I mean, I don't, I can't tell you what Yan Yan is. She opens up, so maybe it's a nice if smile. If only this book was written in the first person POV of Yan Yan. Yan Yan is in her most delicate, girlish, insecure, uncertain voice. Her most inoffensive tone is like, I just, Mr. Luo, I wonder, and this is just speculation, so I could be wrong. Oh, gosh. So don't laugh. Out with it, Yan Yan. <laughs> This might be totally stupid. And if it is, please don't judge me. Enough. Tell me. You know what? Just forget it. Never mind. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) After all of that. No, she goes, I just wonder whether we could find a form of communication that only humans understand, but that Sofans never will. That way, humanity could be free of the Sofan monitoring. Wait, come on, Yan Yan, with a good idea. With a good idea. Come on. Lo Ji looks at her. He looks back at the Mona Lisa. He's like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, I see what you mean. Her smile is something that the Sofans and the Trisolarans would never get. I mean, most people don't, I feel like. No, and then, and it was funny, actually. Not to make this about me. (laughs) As I was reading this section, I'm sitting across from my girlfriend. (laughs) Every time you say that, that air horn plays. Do it again. Girlfriend! Wow, that's crazy. I have a girlfriend. I have a girlfriend. Anyway. Anyways, I'm sitting across from my girlfriend as I'm reading this. And as he's saying, like, you're so right. Human expressions, people's eyes are very subtle and complex. And like a gaze mm-hmm. or a smile can transmit so much information. Oh, yeah. That only humans can understand. Yeah. And it's so true. So like as I'm reading this, I look up at Emily and I like kind of like literally practice this. I'm oh, just like okay. speaking to her through my eyes. Ooh, okay. And I'm like, you wanna go fuck? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Did you guys crack the code? <laughs> Which with code? each other? No, yeah, I do feel like, and I feel like I've said this before on the pod, that I feel like I often communicate with people just through eye contact. You know, Mm -hmm. like, if you're with your friend and at a party, like, you can just look at them and you know 
you're they're saying i'm ready to leave or you yeah, could be even saying across the room yeah or you could be saying like you want to you go hit the dance floor or like or if sh- someone share this joint or if someone's yeah. talking and like you like michelle and i definitely have a very and this comes back to the whole like there's more like i was saying like there's more senses than the five main senses there's also like more yeah. methods of communication than oh, yeah. fucking speech and writing um like this linear communication systems but michelle and i have very finely attuned i think like ocular communication where Uh, like uh we can both be talking to someone and look at each other i'm saying like for the most micro micro microsecond to the point that like it is not perceivable by someone who is not me and michelle yeah like only you two are on the call and we know like you know when someone's like saying something and like you're just like kind of listening but but secretly you're judging them like michelle and i have this way of talking no what do you mean (laughs) michelle and i sometimes will like give each other this look but it's so subtle because you don't want the other person to know like you're like I'm not judging them to their yeah, face or to, in that moment, but I'm just saying to, to Michelle, yeah. I'm just saying to Michelle, this will be discussed later. Yep. You know that. That's sort of like... Yep. Pin this. Yeah. Nanosecond glance. Yep. And I hate to admit it, but it's true. Sorry. It's almost like how you might have seen me do it where like I, I don't tend to do that with other people. I do that to the camera that's in the room with me. You know, like imagining my life as a sitcom. I'll find my camera. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So like in moments of that, even if it's like like if it's you and I and you're the person who made me think it, I'll look straight past you into my camera so that you know you might think there's somebody walking up behind you, but then you turn around and you're like, What well, what the fuck were you? That's so funny. I was you're just like, addressing the audience. You're jimming it from the office. I'm flea bagging it. I'm like, I know I you're love there. I love that. I love that. And I just want to also qualify and say that that's not always what Michelle and I are saying in our eye contact. And that's not always sure, what sure, I'm sure, saying yeah. in my in my nonverbal eye contact as well. Like it could be anything. Sure. Our our ocular communication is not a monolith. It has many uses. Or and like purposes. or like when someone says something that's like shocking or like unsavory or like racist and like you kind of just like look to like the other and you're like, Did you just hear that? But you're like not interrupting. Yeah. Like there is so yeah. much that is said through simple eye contact mm-hmm. it's crazy i was like this is so true and yan yan is so yeah. right and luo g is like no you're 100 percent right actually one of the biggest problems apparently in artificial intelligence is identifying facial and eye expressions and some experts believe that computers will never be able to read eyes like mm, what eyes are saying like truly yeah, yeah, which I fucking love. Whoa. I just love like the, the yeah. small differences that keep us from reaching singularity because that is like the ultimate features of being this fleshy biological human. So Yan Yan is like, do you think it's possible to like create a language using only the face and eyes? And Luoji thinks about this and he shakes his head and points at the Mona Lisa. He's like, we can't even understand her expression. Yeah. You know, when I, he's like, when I look at her, her smile, the meaning of her smile changes like literally every second. Yeah. And Da Vinci is dead. So he can't tell us whether she was happy, if she was pensive, you know, we can't but, call Da Vinci. But Yan Yan jumps up and down excitedly like a child, according to the book. And she's like, but that means that, you know, facial expressions really can convey complex information. True. Luo G's like, okay, and if the information is the spacecraft has left Earth and is approaching Jupiter, like, I mean, how would you convey that through just a facial expression? Sure. Yeah. And Yan Yan is like, I mean, when man first began speaking, 
speaking, surely it was only simple things at first, right? Maybe even simpler yeah, than very a right, like me look. hungry. Yeah, exactly. Or like bird over there. Language grew in complexity. You know, that's what happens mm-hmm. when you work a muscle. So she's like, let's try, let's try a little game. Let's try to convey simple things through just facial expressions. Okay, so she hates riddles, but she loves games. Yes, I do love this game. And so they each try to think of a message and exchange it through their eyes. They both Ooh, think okay. of them. They stare at each other. They hold their, you know, eye contact. And they kind of burst out laughing because they're, like, trying to be serious, whatever. Yeah. And Luoji's message was, Tonight I'd like to invite you to have dinner with me on the Champs-Élysées. And she laughs. She's like, mine was, I was thinking, you need to shave. Interesting. And they're really having a good time now. So they're like, okay, okay. Again, this time, not laughing. They stand back to back, each thinking of a message, and they turn around to lock eyes once again. And Luoji tries not to laugh, and he's able to control his laugh because he just locks eyes with Yan Yan, and he's, like, really feeling not the sort of, like, LOL, LOL of it all, but more like yeah. the thump, 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 bazoink, bazoink, auga of it all. He's having a grinchy moment. His heart's growing two sizes. Yeah, he's melting, looking into her eyes like that. And yeah, the this little section ends with them looking into their eyes in front of the Mona Lisa, having a little Jay-Z Beyonce moment. There's a whole fucking description about like how beautiful it is. And let me tell you, it's beautiful. So if you want to read it, open the goddamn book and go to page 180. Yeah. It does It does really come across as like a middle school student completely smitten with like their first crush or something. Like the way it describes it is kind of like the feeling that I was getting reading it. So I was like, you know, they had that kind of like tense moment, but then I'm walking away from the scene of them in the Louvre going, okay, like Luoji is actually now replacing his hallucination of this woman with Yan Yan because now he's actually like allowing himself to like, I don't know, there was some kind of a line where it it said something about like the dam in his spirit had broken open finally. So it's almost like he's actually getting a dose of humanity from Yan Yan, whose specialty is the humanities, right? So it's like, you know, I feel like... I feel like the takeaway from this scene maybe is like, you know, yeah, not really much is happening. Like they're getting to know each other better. But I feel like more importantly, like a very important seed was planted in this scene by Yan Yan that really is going to come back in a big way. Oh, totally. And I was also thinking that like even without this revelation that, you know, maybe we could communicate without speaking – Yan Yan was kind of doing this important thing that like Tyler and Zhang Beihai keep talking about, which is like softening Luo Ji enough to give him hope and the will to actually solve the Trisolaran crisis. Yeah, and actually be a wall facer instead of just hiding behind the privileges that are afforded to wall facers. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Take us home, Brett. Okay, new scene. Our last new scene of the day. We're back with 
General Fitzroy. Do you remember him? He's the general we first met when we were in Alaska, when they accidentally sent up that nuclear warhead into the atmosphere and they were trying to, like, cancel it. General Fitzroy is also the general with whom we last saw Tyler, the wall facer, because he was studying, like, the inner workings of the military for as it could relate to his wall facer plan. Now we're back with General Fitzroy and the boys at NASA. And remember, last time we were at NASA, they had just launched the Hubble 2 mission. It's that new satellite that was going to sort of like not replace but sort of work in tandem and expand on original Hubble's observation capabilities and the side effect of that launch is that it got America all excited because now they think that Trisolaris isn't a threat because they think somehow that this telescope is going to be like their savior as it relates to the Trisolarian fleet but like we already know that's not the truth and Fitzroy is like it's kind of fucked that everybody thinks this because like now they have a false hope that like couldn't be further from the truth so in the control room general fitzroy is like at the top of his lungs yelling at this guy ringier that we met a couple weeks ago and he's like i need to see trisolaris right fucking now like he's like (laughs) bent all the way out of shape and ringier is like fitzroy hubble 2 just launched like it's still being tested no And Fitzroy and Ringier kind of have this little, like, dominance standoff. And ultimately, Ringier is like, I don't work for you, bro. Like, in case you haven't looked around, you're the only government person here. We're NASA. We're doing our thing. And Fitzroy's like, ugh fuck okay let me switch up my tactic a little bit sorry i yelled at you (laughs) he's like can't we just use trisolaris as one of the test targets and ringier is like no we picked far closer targets we're saving the military's money by not repositioning hubble 2 to completely turn to the other side of the sky to look at trisolaris and fitzroy's like oh you're saving the military money huh is that really what you're doing okay well i didn't want to go there but since you're gonna make me and then in an episode just like the most recent of real housewives of salt lake city fitzroy baby pulls out a printed receipt receipt. he's got a photograph taken of ringier and baby he does not miss when he comes with receipts he is showing a photograph taken of ringier and all the other scientists at nasa in the control room of hubble 2 all of their girlfriends have joined them and none of their girlfriends work for nasa Uh, And the girlfriends are all posing in like extremely sexy poses. It's like a group (laughs) selfie, basically. And Fitzroy's like, okay, well, listen, this photo shows you guys clearly wasting the government's money, throwing this party and taking selfies in the control room. So what were you telling me about how you can't make Hubble 2 look at Trisolaris because it would cost too much money? Dad. Looks like you're wasting our money pretty effectively, don't you think? And so immediately, as soon as he sees the photo, Ringer's like, uh, uh, yes, sir. Right away, sir. We'll set coordinates for Trisolaris, sir. And he Ooh. runs away. He's like, please don't show anybody this photo. God. That's where I came to serve. Listen, if you if you aim to get something done, don't miss. Come with your homework done. Boxes checked. Eyes dotted. T's crossed. And baby, this has happened. Fitzroy's like, they hired me to do a very specific job. And that's to be a cunt. And I'll do mm-hmm. it. Yeah, how do you because think I'm I got... a five-star general. <laughs> God damn it. 
Why do you think they gave me five stars? Mm-hmm. And so then when the announcement is given that Hubble 2 has been moved into the position to be able to see Trisolaris, everybody goes running to the control room to see the data that's incoming. And Ringier calls over General Fitzroy and he was like, here, look at this. And he points to a screen. He's like, that is the enemy world you're so desperate to see. And when Fitzroy looks at the screen, what he saw surprised him. He saw the three lights. He saw the three stars of Trisolaris. <gasps> But just as fuzzy little spheres against the blackness. It was almost like headlights on a foggy night. Mm, not very satisfying. At all. He turns to Ringier and he's like, so we really can't see Trisolaris, huh? And the NASA scientists like kind of all in unison are like, duh, basically. Like, yes, it's over four light years away. Like, what do you think? You think we're going to have like security you know, like HD security footage of this planet? Like, no, come on. Like, you clearly are not a scientist. You don't even understand what you're talking about. Someone speaks up and they're like, even with Hubble 2 at full capacity, we can't see any detail of the planet, just that it's there. And that's only sometimes. You know, this planetary system is moving. We can only see what we can see. And admittedly, then it's not even that great for what you want out of it. Like, we just want data. You're wanting high def, like satellite photos? Get serious. And while that's happening, another scientist who's still looking at the screen and the incoming data is like, uh, guys, there's something else here in the data. What is this? And they all crowd around this screen and they're all like, mm, oh, oh, what is that? Somebody's like, oh, that's bigger than a star. Someone's like, it's a brush. A brush? A brush. Like literally a brush, like you'd brush your hair or like sweep off a keyboard or like a like a brush. And from this point forward, this celestial object showing up in the data from this observation of Trisolaris will be henceforth known as the brush. Something out there in space inexplicably looks like the fanned bristles of a brush. <gasps> but with no handle, just the bristles. Mm -hmm. And none of the scientists in this control room can make heads or tails of it, and especially none of them know why it's there. So mm -hmm. all the scientists are freaking out. They're like, can somebody zoom in? What is that? Let's pull it up on another screen. This can't be normal. This can't be right. There has to be an error. Someone's like, oh, fuck, is the lens scratched? Somebody else is like, did somebody not clean it properly when it was in the clean room? Is that somebody's eyelash on the fucking lens of this $20 billion telescope we just put into space? No. But then other scientists who hadn't crowded around this screen start pulling up the image on their own computers. And when they all zoom in independently, the brush remained. They can see in the details of this brush, whatever it is, there's interstellar wake that's being generated in the cosmic dust that surrounds Trisolaris. They go into full anxious scientist mode and calculations are literally flying. Like they're just like typing away trying to figure out like what the fuck is causing this? General Fitzroy asks them to basically try and count the bristles on the brush if they can. Like, you know, obviously, admittedly, we're not going to get high definition images from this data, but like, use your supercomputer and see if you can try and isolate how many individual streams or threads or bristles there are in this brush. A half hour later, after their supercomputers have been working at maximum capacity, they learn there are about a thousand individual streams intersecting through the cosmic dust. General Fitzroy says, kind of resigned he's like Ugh, that confirms it someone else is like what's it fitzroy's like ladies and gentlemen of nasa you are looking at the trisolaran fleet traveling through interstellar space mm -hmm. 
That's what I thought. The wake they generated in total was about twice the diameter of Jupiter. So, baby, we have a huge fleet making its way towards the solar system. And this section... Oh, shit. The last section in part one, before we officially begin next week's part two, just ends with a little addendum about Hubble 2. It says, Hubble 2's discovery, the final confirmation of the reality of the Trisolarian invasion, extinguished the last of humanity's fantasies. The descent of a new round of despair, panic, and confusion ushered the human race into life under the Trisolar crisis. Damn. Then the hard times began. With a rocky change of direction, the vehicle of time veered off along a new track. The only constant in a world of tremendous change is the swift passage of time. Damn. Five years passed like a blur. And that, baby, is the end of part one of The Wallfacer in the Dark Forest. Wow, Brett. It's pretty crazy. And, you know, it started It started with Yan Yan, you know, in, in the museum, sort of like actually understanding like the reality, the gravity, the actual weight of this crisis that everybody is facing. I think, you know, that's kind of the first time she actually viewed it as a crisis, not just like, oh, well, now we know how the world's going to end kind of thing. And now it seems like that realization is slowly at first and then all at once creeping through everybody attached to this problem that we've met so far. Well, you guys, next week we start part freaking two. Hell yeah. Titled The Spell. I don't know what the spell is. But I reckon we're going to find out. Also, there's there's fun discussion we can get into. Like, you know, now the word spell is like pretty ambiguous totally. to us in its meaning. But once we get to at least the understanding within the context of this book, what it means, there's a lot of really fun discussions that people have been having on Reddit as oh. it relates to the usage and the transliteration of the word spell into English specifically. Okay, very mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah. Well, looking forward to that. I know. It's going to be wild. Until then, I'm Brett. I'm Osama bin Laden. <laughs> and I'm really done saying words. Gotta go. Bye. You've been listening to season two of Radar Peak, a three body podcast. Subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts or wherever you pod so you never miss an episode. For exclusive members-only content, subscribe to our Patreon. Oh, one last thing before you go. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a review and tell your friends about us. Join in on the conversation when you follow us on social media at Radar Peak Pod. See you there.